December. There's a yellow and a green sheet if you want to follow that, encouraging you as families, as individuals, as couples to interact with God's Word, to pray together, and to ask each other some questions as you strive to minister to one another within the family. I trust you came with a desire to stay longer than normal this morning. You notice in the bulletin that there are two messages or two sermons. Amen, Amen Liron? Okay, you'll hang on. That's by mistake. I looked at the bulletin and I thought, something's wrong here. So uh, I'll speak my normal length plus an hour. <clears throat> Question. If you could do one thing, one action to destroy a nation in terms of its family relationships, economic well-being, social relationships, mental well-being, governmental structure, and physical health, what would you choose? You get one choice. What would you choose? Pardon? Read it again. If you could do one thing, one action to destroy a nation in terms of its family relationships, economic well-being, social relationships, mental well-being, governmental structure, and physical health, what would you choose? Pardon? Destroy the father. What father? Okay, destroy the father of a family. Pardon? Take away their freedom to worship. There may be a variety of things that could be done, and my question is probably overstated in the sense that one thing probably will not accomplish that as thoroughly as I worded the question but I think there are a number of things that would be involved, and one of them we want to address this morning. The last few weeks, we have been discussing ways the enemy, Satan, works. He works basically through doubt, doubting God, doubting Christ, doubting Scripture, doubting the Spirit working in our life. We know that he appeared to Eve, and he lured Eve to fall into doubting God and ate of the fruit, and then Adam also ate. And it's easy for us as humans to forget that we are in a spiritual battle. It's an unseen battle and that we cannot see the enemy. That was present through Israel's history. Job struggled due to an unseen spiritual battle. Paul tells us in Ephesians 6 that our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against spiritual powers, and so on. Peter says in 1 Peter chapter 5, that the enemy is like a roaring lion. I want to look at some basic other ways that Satan may work. And these will be worded in the form of a lie. The enemy would want us to think, to believe that we can subject ourselves by choice, our maid, our children, too much, no creator God influence without 
influencing our lives. You can subject yourself, your mate, your children to much no God or no creator God influence without influencing your own life. Much TV, radio, movies, DVDs, computer, commercials, news have been given by God for your enjoyment, period. The enemy would want us to buy into that hook, line, and sinker. He would want us to buy into the... A statement such as, yes, teach your children, teens in Sunday school, Awana, in a teen ministry, in VBS, but let them go to homes where Creator God is neglected via TV, computer, radio, movies, DVDs. He would want us to believe and accept that as long as children and teens are taught creation, things will be fine. Don't worry that they don't believe and live with God as creator in daily life, moment by moment. And they really don't believe in scripture as God's word. He would want us to believe that what's the big deal with evolution in school, TV, movies, radio, everyone hears it. You don't have to teach them how to respond to such teaching. One of the subtle ways the enemy works is you can subject yourself, your mate, your family to much, no creator God influence without influencing your life. I'm going to read several passages of scripture. We'll begin with Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1. Genesis 1 and verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and earth. Now the earth was was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waves. And God said, let there be light, and there was light. God saw that the light was good, and he separated the light from darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening and there was morning the first day. And God said, let there be an expanse between the waters to separate the water from waters. So he made the expanse and separated the water under the expanse from the water above it. And it was so. God called called the expanse sky and there was evening and there was morning the second day. And Genesis 1 goes on, and God said, and God said, and God said. You get to the end of the chapter in verse 31. God saw all that he had made, and it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. God created. Let's take our Bibles and turn over to John chapter 1, the Gospel of John. The Gospel of John is demonstrating or its purpose would involve that people might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, and that by believing, they may have life in His name. 
And in John chapter 1, as John begins his gospel, he says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And the Word was, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him, through the Word, referring to Christ, according to verses 14 and 18, all things were made. Without Him, nothing was made that has been made. Turn over to Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1, again, speaking of Christ. Paul's writing to believers in Colossae and... Some of the teaching that was received, there's a series of beings that you can through, go through to get to God, and the Colossians were willing to plug Christ in as one of them, and Paul says, no, Christ stands apart. Colossians 1 and verse 15, he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by him all things were created, in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers, or rulers or authorities. All things were created by him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He's the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, or in Christ, and through him to reconcile to himself all things in heaven, or reconcile all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Christ as creator there is tied into Christ as Savior or the one who provides reconciliation. We won't turn to Hebrews chapter 1, but in Hebrews 1, 1 through 4, the writer of Hebrews again dresses God as creator. God being creator and the enemy subtly telling us you can subject yourself to all kinds of input that says God is not created or not have any impact on you, again, is a subtle lie. But one of the ways that it impacts us very subtly is desire. Desire. Desire for God is deeply impacted when we're exposed willfully over and over again to no God input, no creator God input. What we produce as believers and unbelievers displays a worldview, how we view life. Those who produce commercials, movies, DVDs, radio programs, and so on, their beliefs come out. I found it interesting this week, got Time magazine. Now, we read the article in Time that was entitled The Decade from Hell, referring to the turn of 2000 through the end of 2009. The author is referring it referring to it as a decade from hell. As I read the article, they described one thing after another that was terrible about the decade we're currently living in. All the bad things that happened. 
and they just listed them, probably six, eight, ten about each year. And I read the article with great interest because it conveyed no hope. It said nothing about the fall, a man that resulted in the things that have happened in the last decade. There was no mention of sin. There was no mention of Christ. Not that there had to be mentioned, but there was no indication whatsoever. We basically are on our own trying to make it. The writer's worldview came through. In Habakkuk, which we read chapter 3 this morning, as you read chapter 1, part of the issue in Habakkuk is that Habakkuk is struggling with all the evil that is taking place in or, in, uh, or among God's people. And the Jews had the mindset, the belief, that God could not destroy or have the temple destroyed. And God says to Habakkuk in chapter 1, there is a people that are going to come and they're going to take care of Jerusalem and the temple. And Habakkuk uh, responds and says, God, how can a people more evil than us destroy us? And God responds. But see, Habakkuk's worldview came through. He was thinking, God set up the temple. God's city is Jerusalem, and he would never destroy it. And God had to break that worldview and say, yes, I can. I will. But Habakkuk's worldview, his thinking about life, came through. The psalmist says in Psalm 1, Blessed is the man who does not walk on the counsel of the ungodly, or stand in the way of sinners, nor sit in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. See, the worldview comes through. Your worldview, how you view life. How those who produce things that don't believe in a creator, their worldview comes through. And it has an impact. In Mark chapter 7, we won't take time to read the entire chapter, but there Jesus is speaking and he says to the disciples, what is inside of a man, what is inside of a person comes out and defiles the person and then he lists all kinds of action, but it comes from the inside. So the enemy says, you can expose yourself to all kinds of no creator God, and it won't have an impact. But it does affect desire. I have some Hershey kisses here. Does anyone like Hershey, Hershey kisses? Karen, I saw your hand first. Someone else? Tristan. <clears throat> I didn't ask your parents to do this, but go ahead and eat one. Nice to hear. Open it up and eat it. <clears throat> okay, here's another one. You do like chocolate, right? Okay. 
Here's 15 more. <laughs> Have a request. Eat them. Make sure you eat them before lunch. Okay? <laughs> Thank you. You may sit down. How many times have you as a parent said to your children, don't eat that now because it will affect your lunch. You won't be hungry for lunch. I heard that over and over again. Come in the house. Mom, I'm hungry. We're going to eat in 15 minutes. Don't eat anything now because it will affect your desire for lunch. Hogwash. It's the way a child thinks. I think that will affect his desire for lunch. Want it, Holly and Leron? Maybe you better not eat all of them. <laughs> I might get in trouble with the parents. But it affects desire. Now stop and think about willful, continual, taking in no creator God input will affect your desire for God. Because they're opposite directions almost. I'm not knocking all <clears throat> commercials and TV. That's not my point. I'm saying the no God input. It's going to have an impact upon you in a negative way. I have observed people in my 30-some years of ministry and I'll say, the desire doesn't seem to be there. But yet they claim to be a believer in Christ. What's going on? And in talking to people, it goes back to what they feed their minds. And another illustration, my desire is for Ruth Ann as my wife. She's the woman I desire, the apple of my eye. She's the best, in my opinion. When traitor, but my desire for her will begin to be affected if I get on the internet and go to a porn site. I walk in a store and pick up a magazine that communicates women in a different light. And after a while, I begin to think, you know, Ruth Ann's kind of old. She's getting haggard and she has some gray hair and you see what's happening? Willful exposure to no creator God impacts our desire. That's one of the enemy's subtle ways of working. Another one is that godly people are busy people. Involved in many activities in every area of life. It may be work, it may be school, it may be church, it may be sports. It may be computer, it may be the internet, it may be the media. But little time is left for self. Walking with God, marriage, family, other believers, or unbelievers. Wives are not taught by husbands. Children are not taught by parents. There's just any little time to hear God. We fail to see sometimes that busyness 
affects walking with God. It may be a good busyness. Let's take our Bibles and turn to Psalm 46. Psalm 46. Many times over the years I've shared Psalm 46, at least the first several verses with people, and sometimes we read the beginning of the chapter and then we stop. But Psalm 46, begin reading with verse 1. God is a refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. Therefore we will not fear, though the earth give way, and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar in foam, and the mountains quake with their surging. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the Most High dwells. God is within her. She will not fall. God will help her at the break of day. Nations are in an uproar. Kingdoms fall. He lifts his voice, the earth melts. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Come and see the works of the Lord and the desolation he has brought on the earth. He makes wars cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the shields with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. God is our refuge and strength. If we're believers in Christ, we don't need to fear. But notice what is said about God. There's a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the Most High dwells. God is within her. She will not fall. Verse 8, I'm sorry, 6. Nations are in an uproar, kingdoms fall. He lifts his voice, the earth melts. Verse 8, come and see the works of the Lord, the desolations he has brought on the earth. He makes wars cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the shields with fire. And then he says, be still. I read the article in Time magazine about all the terrible things that have happened in our world in the decade of uh, <clears throat> involving hell from the author's perspective. On Thanksgiving Day, <clears throat> there were some things shared about our nation and some things that we would not consider good about our nation. I had to come home Thursday night and step back mentally and say, be still and know that God is God. You can turn on the news and you will hear about Afghanistan. What are we going to do? Iraq, we need to pull out of there. You can turn on the news and there's a lot of things being said about health care and what should we do with health care. You can turn on the news and there's concern about, among those who are conservative at least, <clears throat> with czars that Obama has appointed. You can turn on the news and you can hear about what is happening in many parts of our world. If you follow the Mideast at all, the Mideast is very unstable. I'm talking Israel and all that's happening there. And if we're not careful, we can throw up our hands and say, what is the world coming to? And we get busy and we hurry through life. 
The psalmist says, be still and know that I am God. Some people like Obama, some don't like him. Question, was not God involved in him being in office? Doesn't scripture say? Nations are in uproar, the kingdoms fall, he lifts his voice, the earth melts. He makes wars to cease, and so on. In another place it talks about he sets up kings and he takes them down. Step back. Be still and know that God is God. Don't look at the immediate. Look at the long term. Nebuchadnezzar is king over Babylon. He's a great king. He's in authority. He's in control. At his command, people would die. Heads would roll. And what did God do? God let him live as an animal for seven years. And what happened? Belshazzar is having a feast. The handwriting in the wall. And that night, Babylon fell. Following Babylon, we have the Medo-Persian Empire, a powerful empire. And the Medo-Persian Empire fell to the Greeks. The Greek Empire fell to the Romans. What's God doing? Writing history. Be still and know. The enemy wants us to be busy, 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 busy in maybe good things and not stepping back and being still and knowing that God is God. The tougher life becomes, the faster many people go. And the devil, I think, sits back and laughs and says, <laughs> they don't even take time to sit back and think that God is sovereign and God is in control. We worry and fret about our nation. Do your part in voting, praying, but let God be God. Be still and know that I am God. In 1 Thessalonians 4, In verses 11 and 12, there Paul says, Make it your ambition to mind your own business, to work with your own hands, but he also says to live quiet lives. I get in the van, and what am I tempted to do? Hit the button to turn on the radio. Not knocking the radio at all. That's not my point. But sometimes I'm tempted to do it so I don't think too much. I probably need to step back and say, be still, God is God. So I come out of the hospital saying to God, God, why did you leave this happen to this person? This isn't fair. This isn't right. I prayed for the person, and look what's happening to them.
I need to be still and let God be God. God, look at what our country was founded upon. At least that's what we're told, and look where we're headed. And God says, be still. Lead a quiet life. Step back and recognize I'm God. I make kingdoms rise. I make them fall. I make wars cease to end. I break the bow. I shatter the spear. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted on the earth. Many times the most frantic people are those who do not step back to be still and to recognize that God is in control. We look at America, some 200 years of history, as far as our nation, 200 plus years, as far as our nation being a nation, that's a small segment of time in the over 6,000 years of the earth. Don't look at this. Look at the big picture. Be still and know that God is God. Ten years ago, people were worried about a guy in Iraq by the name of whom? Saddam, where is he? He's gone. I remember years ago, the our nation being excited. Oh, Reagan's being elected. He's going to do this and this. And I'm not saying he, what he did or didn't do, but where is he today? He's gone. Oh, we don't want... a certain guy in the White House by the name of Clinton, some would say. But where's he now? He's out of office. Be still and know that I am God. The enemy wants us to be busy that we don't have time to be still and know that God is God. As I mentioned earlier, Paul said, make it your ambition to live a quiet life. To mind your own business and to work with your hands. Okay, project myself down the road. We'll say 20 years if the Lord gives me 78 years of life. I'm on my deathbed. And I think about my life and I ask myself, Dan, how did you live? And I think to myself, I was often still and realized God was God. I attempted to live a quiet life, not to be overly busy. I minded my own business. And I work with my own hands. I was just following God and loving Him. I think I could die being confident that I live well. It's not how much we accomplish, it's not how fast we live. It's living in light of the fact that God 
is God. But the enemy wants us to hurry through life and miss out on recognizing that God is God. Couple questions. Creator God is important. Receiving input that involves Creator God is important. We can't escape the world, so we're going to constantly receive no Creator God input. But many times we do have a choice. How will you respond to that? The enemy would say godly people are busy people, involved in many activities. The psalmist would say, be still and know that I am God. Paul would say, make it your ambition to lead a quiet life, to mind your own business, to work with your own hands. How will you respond to these truths? I need to live them out as you need to live them out. In our day-by-day living, we impact others as we strive to walk with God. Don't buy into the enemy. Resist him. With those thoughts in mind, as we think about our ministry and a few announcements as we close, tonight at 5.30 we have a leadership night. Time for leaders to get together to officers and teachers to pray, to share, to interact with one another. There will be no evening service, but there is choir practice at 7.30 tonight. Mike Petoskey, planning to join our church couple of weeks from today. For you guys and you sons, the Quest for Authentic Manhood, 7 o'clock in the church hall tomorrow night. And then Awana Teens, an adult prayer on Wednesday evening, all at 6.30. Andy has something he would like to share concerning building. Andy? <clears throat> Thank you. 
also having a coin drive the next two Sundays. So, and all of the money is going to be um, put toward the carpet for the movie and for the change. Um, if you would, if you're donating money for the video, just either give it to Sharon or put it in the offering in the next couple weeks and just put the carpet. So, if you have any questions, thank you. In light of what Andy shared, I come into the church building fairly often and I think, oh, the lights need done, there's no carpet. You know, someday it'll come. What I need to do at that time, and I've done this fairly often, is to step back and see the big picture of what God has done in the last 10 years. That's what the psalmist says, be still and know I am God. Don't look at the present only. Look at the big picture of God being at work. Thanks, Andy. There's a ladies Sunday school, ladies Sunday school party, Christmas party. Church ladies, okay. At Darlene Pearson's on December 13th in the afternoon. There's a sign-up sheet in the vestibule if you want to donate some food. I got that right? Okay, and also in the vestibule, there's a proposed budget for 2010. You can pick up a copy. We'll give opportunity for some questions and response in the next couple weeks. Let's pray together. Thanks, Father, for creating the universe, allowing us the joy of experiencing it. And we want to live wisely in our world where many times you as creator is not recognized. May we recognize the impact of choosing to have excess exposure to that and how it may affect our desire for you. May we recognize, too, that the enemy would work in seeking us, or seeking for us to live fast lives rather than being still and acknowledging you as God. We need your wisdom in living out what we have discussed this morning for your glory. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Thank you.